welcome to another McLaren Fans podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Donnelly. Joining us this week, we've got two guests. We've got Mark Taylor. Say hello, Mark. Hi, Andy. How are you? Not bad, not bad. And we've got a very special guest this week. We've got the McLaren doggo, Fraggle, and his human, Rachel. Say hello, Fraggle. He's, I think he's a bit camera shy. <laughs> And microphone shot. <laughs> he says hello. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's uh, let's sort of crack on and talk to our guests first, and then we'll we'll go into the race sort of after that. So uh, let's let's start with you, Mark. Obviously, uh, you're a McLaren fan. I see you have your yeah. McLaren T-shirt on. Yeah, um, yeah sort of. Um, how long have you been a fan of F1 McLaren? How have you? How did you get into it? How, you know, have you been to some races? What are your experiences and stuff like that? Yeah, thanks, Andy. Well, I started um, watching F1 in the mid '80s. None of my family are into F1 at all, so I'm a bit of a black sheep as far as that's concerned. I had an uncle who, um, when we used to have uh, sort of Sunday dinners and get-togethers, he'd disappear into different rooms to watch the F1, and I'd go and watch it with him sometimes. Uh, that was back in the mid 80s and I'm sure if you remember if you were watching back then it was very sort of uh, Nigel Mansell centric and, and and all the other teams were the disruptors to Mansell's grand plans to be the British F1 champion for the first time since you know, James Hunt whatever it was and and McLaren seemed to always be those disruptors and and I kind of like that and of course then we had the uh, the wonderful Senna years uh, when you know the, the original Honda years as, as many of us call them when we had some fantastic success um, a few lean years with, uh, with with Ford and Peugeot and then obviously moving on to Mercedes where we had uh, again fantastic success and right through to where we are now um, been to a few races the first one was uh, Silverstone in 2014 and I think I went with yourself then and then um, Singapore in 2015 and 2018 back at Silverton in 2017 uh, sorry 2019 for was my second Singapore and, and uh, been to the race in uh, Melbourne as well in 2018 Excellent, excellent Yeah, so you've, you've been to a few races and stuff like that that sounds good Yeah, um, it's, been, it's been great, I really enjoy it every single time Yeah, yeah um, uh, on, the, on the you Fraggle um, I guess dogs aren't allowed in race tracks is that right? <laughs> Yes, Article um, 22.17 of the Sporting Regulations, I think he'll quote at you. Yeah, yeah that's what he said. <laughs> well, however, we have seen some dogs at racetracks. Uh, a few times we've seen them running alongside, I think there was one in Bahrain last year, was Bahrain that we had one? Yeah, Bahrain and Turkey. Yeah, so I guess one of Fraggle's ambitions is to get on TV, running along the track at the side, and uh, yeah, sort of uh, supporting McLaren trackside, even he's not <laughs> technically allowed to be there. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I don't know how many of you follow the uh, McLaren Doggo account. Um, it is one of the brightest and funniest accounts out there. It's really good, um, and the insights <laughs> are, are quite funny as well. But I just you know personally, I I, I love the fact that. Um, there's there's a gif reaction for everything, um, even food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he loves his food. Mr. Zach and sausages are his favourite, but um, yes. yeah, I'm not sure Mr. Zach will be too happy if he eats him. Yes, yes, he does seem to have a, 
a rather obsession with Zach Brown. How does that come about? Well, it's just, um, he wouldn't have an obsession with Mr. Zach, as he calls him. Um, yeah, no, he just loves everything McLaren. And um, obviously when Mr. Zach comes on the TV, then um, then that's where it all started, really. It's his, it's his hero. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, we obviously got his um, love from McLaren from his humans. Yes, yes, and a good choice as well. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, I quite enjoyed, if, you, if you've not followed the account, definitely go back uh, a couple of months when um, McLaren Doggo had his own car, car. livery reveal. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, the, the question I've got really, and probably on it, how do you get him to sit still for so long? <laughs> Ha-ha. treats lots of right. treats and lots of fuss but right. um yeah no he's got a really positive association when he goes and sits in it he knows it's good fun and as soon as i get one of his bandanas on or something then he's he's all happy because he knows that it does mean the treats are coming so um yeah he's quite up for it but, um yeah i think we've created a bit of a monster really because um yeah once we got the um new golf livery suddenly everyone was asking for the the golf car reveal but um mclaren <laughs> didn't really get enough time to get that one in so we had to just do the um do the bandana and the t-shirt instead yeah yeah and i guess that's the thing isn't it it's, um you know when when you're watching a race does does fraggle sit there and watch the races with you then and um he's normally sat on my lap um yeah he fell asleep for a little bit of um of baku it wasn't the most exciting race for him as a mclaren fan in the middle so um yeah he did have a little snooze um, but yeah, no, he, he does. He does sit and watch it, and um, yeah, when we get excited, he gets excited. Um, he's having a sniff at the moment. He's having a sniff of you. I hope you you're not too smelly today, you two. No, no, I, I'm. I'm now thinking that we should have brought him some treats, but um, yeah, not quite sure how virtual treats would have. Uh... Oh, husky chocolate. Hang on a minute. Let's get a screenshot of that one. There <laughs> you go, boy. He's out. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Um, yeah, good Good to sort of speak to you both this week. Um, first thing that we've obviously got to kind of talk about is, unfortunately, the, the sort of sad news of Mansour Orje passing at the weekend. Um, very much McLaren um, uh, legacy and obviously he was a shareholder, but a lot of people don't know that he was, you know, he's been there as part of the group from the 80s. I think it was 83 that his first involvement with McLaren, with Ron Dennis and stuff like that. So he really was with Ron part of the driving force of kind of taking us from um, sort of, you know, maybe a, more of a sort of garage Easter constructor sort of sides of things. And pushing us to what we are now, which is, um, you know, a, a massive, massive F name in F1. Um, and obviously, like you said earlier, Mark, he was there through all of the sort of Senna years, through Mika Hakkinen and, um, you know, right right up to, um, you know, the, the, the last few years. You, you would often see him at the racetrack um, and instantly recognisable. And you've seen a lot of people say... Um, you know, a lot of good words about him and stuff like that in the last sort of um, weekend. So it's it's been, uh, it was very sad news. 
Uh, we know he'd been ill for for a little while, unfortunately. Um, but all I, all I could say is that I hope that we manage to, as a team and as fans, continue the legacy that he supported for so long. Um, any, any of you guys got anything that you'd like to add to that? So we we quite fine with that one, I think. You said it all. Yeah, just to echo those words, really. Um, yeah, it's been a huge part of McLaren. I remember um, always seeing on TV um, at sort of key moments. Um, Hacking an era sort of stands out for me. Always seeing him there with um, with Mika. Um, but yeah, it's he's one of those guys. He's very key to McLaren. But um, I can't say that I've ever seen him kind of at the forefront and taking the attention but he's always been sort of the heart and soul of the team he's been there so yeah really sad news yeah go on Mark sorry why we had such long association with uh, Tag Horror as well wasn't it because I think he used to own the Tag group and at one point didn't we have our the engines badge just Tag engines badge? yeah there were Tag Porsche engines yeah Porsche, yeah yeah um, yeah he, he yes a lot of lot of association with it and obviously being a shareholder as well um and and on the board yeah so that kind of put a bit of a taint on the uh, the race weekend for us um so yeah let's let's get into uh, a couple of things on the the race weekend um i kind of i I don't know whether it's just me but i never you know i'd always thought back it was it's just another street circuit it's never that exciting but actually, when I've start, sat down and started to think about it, actually, some of the races that we've had there in the recent years have all been quite exciting and been quite eventful. There's always been something happened. Um, I think it was Danny Rick who went into the back of Max Verstappen. Um, yeah. you know, we had a few instances like that. And um, overall, this, this weekend really didn't disappoint on that level either, did it? Um, I think the precursor to it was watching sort of FP3 was very much a broken session. There's a, a couple of red flags and, um, you know, kind of you couldn't quite get the runs for the pacing and stuff like that. So I, did, I wasn't too worried that we weren't kind of showing the pace or anything else like that at that point. People were not getting their sort of long runs or the quali runs in and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, did any of you guys catch practice? <laughs> Mark, uh, I saw little bits of it, but 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 again, probably just a comment on the whole weekend. As, as a circuit, yeah, I, I think Bak- Baku's great. It's, it's different to other street circuits in that there there seem to be more opportunities to to overtake. But then there are that many. It feels like there's that many more um, opportunities for, for for jeopardy. And I think we're probably going to talk about the uh, the qualifying uh, a little bit later on, but. The, the fact that there were so many red flags, um, sort of in, in those sessions and in um, and in, in the F two as well, just kind of you know annoyed as well as sort of gave gave a lot of pleasure as well. Uh, sort of in, in equal measure, like it was exciting to sort of see the um, to see the action, but then oh no, here we go, we're stopping again. And but because because it's so narrow, it, it, it just took ages for them to to be able to clear the track. So you know, red flags were were going to be inevitable, but. Yeah, I think track-wise, the only thing that it kind of reminds me of is a bit like Singapore, where it's it's quite compact, and um, I guess if you went to the race, you you couldn't actually walk around it because it's through a town and it's 
probably quite difficult to get around it. But um, yeah, from a from a driver's point of view, I, I, I guess they really like it because it's quite challenging. Um, and then I guess we went on to the rest of the weekend with Quali, um, and we had quite a few red flags in the in quali in, in, in the quali session. Um, I can't remember exactly who for, but they really did break up um, the chances of kind of getting a really good quali, quali for us. Um, did you manage to catch uh, the quali sessions, Rachel? Um, yeah, yeah, we were watching. Um, but yeah, as you said, it was just um, nobody seemed to be able to get a run. Um, every time that um, people were getting ready for it, there was another red flag. So I think it was, was it four in total? So um, yeah, it was one of those sessions. And then, um, yeah, obviously, um, Daniel being one of the the victims. Um, was that Q2, I think, when he, he had a bit of an incident? So um, yeah, it was a bit of a messy session. Yeah, yeah, it's it, you know I think um, certainly seeing some of the sort of tweets and it, you know it was really unfortunate for for Dan because I thought he was actually you know starting to put together um, a decent weekend in the car for us. It did seem to be up there in in sort of the other sessions alongside Lando and stuff like that, um, which you know certainly I think. He's been putting a lot of work in to try and get um, a little bit more sort of um, up to yeah up to speed, I guess you could say. Um, I think certainly from my point of view, he'll definitely come good at some point. Um, I think it's only a matter of time. Um, what what about you, Mark? I know you. Uh, mentioned something to me the other day about um you wanted to speak about Dan in particular well I'm, I'm trying not to sound sound harsh about him and, and and I completely agree with you that he will come come good at some point um I just feel that we've brought him in as a, a very experienced driver as a race winner um someone who's someone who's won around some of the, some of the best circuits and, and and being a championship contender um although Lando still seems to be um, absolutely driving out of his skin and, and, and beating him at every at every opportunity. I mean, let's let's not take anything away from Lando. He's driving driving whatever out of that car and and getting the absolute maximum out of it. And and Daniel still seems to be getting getting grips with it. And you know, we're, we're five races in now. I'm just conscious that you know we're going to need to sort of see the best of Daniel at some point this season. Yeah, I and guess when you start to see sort of. Perez and Carlos already getting good results out of their cars. You kind yeah. of wondering, is there a little bit more to it? Now, I think, I think Andreas had said that they've, they've after the Monaco race, they've figured out what the issues were, and we're working on that. So it does sound like they know what they're trying to do, um, and hopefully they get that. Um, Sorted out, really. Um, what about what about you, Rachel? What what's your thoughts on the the, the Dan versus Lando situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's taken him a while to settle in. As you mentioned, the other people that have swapped teams seem to be sort of coming good and getting some good results. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, we know he's a talented driver. 
um, that doesn't just go away overnight. So there's got to be more to it somewhere along the line. I know he's been doing extra time in the simulator and things like that. So he's obviously, you know, working hard to try and understand it. Um, actually, after the race, I saw one of the interviews with him. He actually did seem quite upbeat from it. So hopefully that does mean, despite not a great result, he's sort of heading in the right direction. But um, yeah, it's hard hard to know. As Lando stepped up a gear, um, yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. But I've um, got full belief in him. And um, yeah, I'm sure he will come good. We just need to keep the faith. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I, I think one of the, if we go on to the sort of race itself, I think we, you know, we'll we'll talk about um, Dan Dan later on in the race. But you know, once again, he was in the points for us. Um, you know, and that's what we want. We want the consistency of points finishes, really. Both cars in the points, for me, is still progress this year because um, we're, we're higher up the points as well. You know, we're, we're, we're having the fourths, fifths and thirds rather than the nine and tenths that we may have had in some tracks last season. So, for me, I still think we're getting those double points and they're a bit higher up the grid. That's that's quite good. We look, we still look competitive. We still look like we can pass cars, um, which, which given the, let's, let's use the Honda years, um, where, you know, we, we were um, not really passing cars, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, onto the race itself then. Uh, yeah, I think Lando had a bit of a, bit of a, a stodgy start. He, he dropped a few places. Obviously, he had the, um, the penalty from qualifying, um, which is um, the the uh, under the red flag uh, conditions where he went to pit and didn't pit, but could have pitted and everything else. I thought it was a little bit harsh from the stewards to say, "Yeah, we could see that you tr- you know he could have pitted, but it was a bit too late." But we will still give you a grid penalty. It just seemed a bit kind of we're doing this because that's the rule sort of thing rather than looking at it a bit more leniently, I guess. But who knows? Um, what were your thoughts on that? I know previously some people have had five places dropped and you only had three, but um, what did you think on that, Mark? I think that was the compromise, though, to only give him a three-place uh, grid drop as opposed to, to five. I mean, certainly from the analysis that... You know, I think we all saw on, on, on Sky F1 there, their analysis seemed to be that it was a bit of a, a slam dunk. He's gone to go into the pits and then he's, then he's stayed out, which, you know, according to the rules, was was, was dangerous. Um, so I, I think we just had to kind of, you know, stop it up and think, yeah, we, we got a penalty. Let's, let's just make the best of it for uh, for the race on Sunday, which, which he did, thankfully. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so... It wasn't the best. It wasn't the the best of starts for us, but we did we did start to make some places up. Um, like you said, Rachel, Rachel earlier, yeah, Fraggle obviously fell asleep. There, there wasn't a lot really happening at some points in that race. Um, we could actually talk about it as two races really after the before the red flag, and after the red flag. Um, and I thought um, I thought we did well on pit stops against this week. I thought we're starting to look quite solid on them now, which is good. Hopefully, it was just a little bit of early season rustiness. Um, you had to get the pit stops in, didn't you? Let's move well, on. Well, you know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna criticise them uh, previously, then I'd like to also 
say that when I think they're doing a good job as well. So, you know, um, certainly um, I was probably one of the harshest critics of the 4.1 second pit stops we had. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that one of the worrying things from this weekend was once again, sort of, we, we seem to have a race each season where it's the Pirelli tyres that we're talking about. And obviously we had the incident with um, Lance Stroll, who on the straight went into the wall and, and wrecked his car. And then Verstappen, who did the same on lap 48, I think. Um, it seemed, I know Pirelli have come out and said, oh, this is, there's been debris on the track or something like that. But nobody had crashed before Lance Stroll. So where did he pick up debris from? Was he has he gone over a branch that's fallen off a tree or something like that? You know, it's uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I don't, I'm always a bit concerned when we start to have tire failures. What what about you, Rachel? What are you what's your thoughts? On yeah, it's always a bit of a bit of a worry when you see them go um, go like that just so suddenly without any any warning. Um, they've kind of gone to the go to excuse of debris, but as you said, um, yeah, yeah, they need to evidence that really, but. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a safety concern. As you say, there's normally at least one race every season where where we have something similar. So, um, yeah, is it their tyre choices for, for the race? Um, I mean, whatever they choose, the teams are going to um, push them to their limits. So, um, yeah, I don't know how they, how they get around it, really. But, yeah, it was definitely concerning. So um, I think the decision to stop um, after Max's um, accident was definitely the right thing to do to allow them to change tyres for a safety point of view. Yeah, um, and and on that, I think the, you know, we we've heard the FIA radio messages the last couple of races. You know, I think there was it was one, you know, Red Bull saying that they had no evidence of it going to blow before it did, and that we should red flag the race. Uh, you know, definitely over safety concerns straight away. They, they could have lost out massively on that call. Um, I think there was a point where it could have been just called off and, and they're done on a count back. Um, but yeah, sort of once we sort of had the red flag, um, it really was a, a mini sprint race for three three laps, um, which is quite exciting. <laughs> um, not that I want to see three lap races for the rest of the season. I mean, that would, um, but certainly it kind of gives you a little bit of hope for maybe how the sprint races might go a bit further down the line um but you you know we, you never know i mean what what did you think of the the race itself on sunday mark like, like we said they, they they definitely came alive at the point where the uh where there was the issue with the tires and what, what i was going to say about the tires myself was that you'd normally expect uh, a set of hard tires to, to last an entire race but the fact that they they didn't last like like rachel said you know points to sort of to, you know bad choices made by Pirelli with regards to the um the, the, the tires they, they brought along like yeah I thought I thought the final yeah, three lap race was was incredibly exciting and and, and it was a really really good advert for the fact that they are bringing in these uh, these sprint races um you know it's and, and we come back to the fact that Baku I, I, I think it's a fantastic track so at least there are those opportunities for for overtaking but the last thing any of us want to see is you know the, the the really nasty accidents that could put the drivers in in danger, and that's like I said, a separate conversation to be had with regards to the tires and 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 Pirelli's response to that. 
Yeah, I think the thing for me is I, I immediately thought about if somebody was going up Bois Rouge mm-hmm. and that happened. You know, it's, it's a horrible thought, you know. Um, well, I'm sure when Stroll's tie, tie burst, there was some debris that went up and over the fence. And Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. There'd been spectators and stuff like that, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, let's hope Pirelli get something sorted. Let's hope we hear that they do as well. Um, you know, we might have a similar situation that we had last year where Lewis finished the race at Silverstone on three wheels. <laughs> um, Carlos obviously had a blowout for us before that. We don't want to see that again. Um, we'd like to see the, the tyres lasting, but other teams putting a bit more pressure on it. I don't know, because I think Pirelli had said that the tie, hard tyres should have lasted 40 laps, but most of these were 29, 30 laps when they went. So, yeah, um, it's yeah. It, hopefully, it gets sorted just on the safety grounds of it. I, I like an exciting race, and I'll, you know, red flag changes things. But first of all and foremost, safety is the key, isn't it? I guess we want yeah. we want to see you know all the drivers complete the race as much as possible. Um, here's a question for you: What is what has Lando done that no other driver has done this season? Finishing the points in every race. Yeah, and... well done. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the only driver. Uh, after Lewis went, um, I basically um, flicked the magic button on the steering wheel. <laughs> um, yeah. How do you even those... have a button that turns your brakes off? That just blows yeah. my mind. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Do, do McLaren have a magic button? I wonder what that does. Maybe it delivers husky chocolate to the... Uh, the drivers instead of like what they normally have um but yeah um he's the only driver to have scored points in every race this season um which is quite phenomenal really um because you'd expect a few more to be up there you'd expect maybe leclerc or science and stuff like that but yeah you know the it shows that maybe what we've got is a consistent reliable car which is good definitely what we want um yeah so i think that's kind of everything i wanted to sort of chat about race wise anything um anything you want to bring up rachel or mark I thought that what you said about the um, the FIA team radio was quite interesting and it was interesting we had i think a mclaren one at one point as well oh, yeah, um yeah um, was that to do with um, Sonoda and us having a bit of a, a grumble that he hadn't slowed under the yellows? And I think Massey was making the point that um, everybody hadn't slowed enough. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to hear that. I thought that was, um, yeah, a really, really good insight you don't normally get. Yeah, I think they made the point on comment, commentary as well, isn't it? That um, when you hit double yellow flags, you sh- should be preparing to, prepared to stop if you need to. Um, and, you know, we do see drivers, they, they, they lift and then that's it. Um, maybe we'll see something different. Maybe we'll see maybe a virtual safety car rather than but double yellows from now on or something like that. Who knows? Obviously, the safety of the, the marshals on track is, is utmost. Um, it was pretty scary to see. Um, was it Latifi who didn't go in under the red flag in the race? Um, yeah, it was with some very mixed messages from his team, um, drive past 
down a big little load of truck and you were just like oh my you know if his tire had gone as he was doing that you, you hear the same yeah. what happened you know? um yeah anytime that there's any tractors or trucks or anything out on track i always think back to what what, what happened unfortunately is Gilles bianchi and that actually there's really no excuse for cars to be going around at speed when there are um, like you said, the message was stay out, whereas it should have been drive through the pits, but don't stop. Yes, <laughs> yes, maybe yes. lost in translation. It's very ambiguous. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I guess we can uh, wrap it up there for this week. Uh, Mark, if people want to follow you on Twitter, how can they get hold of you? Well, if they really want to, they've got nothing else to do, mate. Then yeah, it's at Taylor Marky B. Okay. Yeah, normally it's a little bit of activity around race weekends, but but yeah, feel free. I usually yeah. follow that. And uh, Fraggle, uh, how can people follow you and what should they expect from your account? <laughs> so Fraggle is at McLaren Doggo, um, both on Twitter and Instagram. What can you expect? Um, silliness is probably the main word for it. Um, yeah, we don't take it too seriously. Um, obviously, um, yeah, being a dog that tweets is quite a unique um, selling point. So, um, yeah, it's um, worth a follow um, if you like silliness. Um, tries to be a really positive account as well. We've had loads of lovely messages from people who have said um, how it's sort of brightened their day. And, um, yeah, it's amazing how many people interact with Fraggle and just lose their inhibitions and talk to a dog. Um, <laughs> so, um yeah, no, it's um, yeah. Hopefully, people find it um, find it a light-hearted, positive experience. Excellent, excellent. Right, I'm hoping that Fraggle can give me one last request before we go. Do you think you can get him to do an "ow" before we go? Oh, I can, but I might need a. I might need to Google something to help me quite quickly. So you might have just talk for a second. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Furious googling going on here in the background. There is a trick to it. Normally, if there, if there's something going on, then we can normally get him to do it. But um, yeah. let's see. This is his favourite one to to howl to. We'll see if we can get him to go. Oh, excuse me, we're getting an advert. Hey, Frags, wake up! Come on. What's this? What is it? Maybe you need to give him a small husky tap back. like that ever again <laughs> that was good um, thank you very much for being guests this week um, thank you for Fraggle and to Mark and um, yeah uh, we'll be back after the race weekend in France and um, yeah we'll see